0: Well hello there and welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. I am your host Andy Wales joined as ever by my audio tag team partner Mo Chatra and Mo Royal Rumble is a distant memory now we are now firmly on the road to WrestleMania and uh, before we start getting into all the puns about moving into the fast lane we do have to make a service station stop at Elimination Chamber so um Enough things for us to talk about this evening.
1: Indeed there is, yes. We've got um yet yeah, another WWE pay per view coming up this weekend. Um and it features uh one of the more um notable and unique matches in the WWE in its calendar year with the Elimination Chamber main event. So um, you know, again, much like the Royal Rumble match, um offers up plenty of permutations and combinations that will set things up nicely for uh WrestleMania. So uh, that that's something we can look forward to for this weekend. And um obviously they were uh, preceded by um a couple of uh Born Smackdown shows this week, which um didn't exactly get my um my uh, juices flowing, I must admit. They <laughs> they they left um a lot to be desired in my view.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid uh, if if we're gonna go along with the puns for the uh, the driving puns it was uh the threat was falling asleep at the wheel on the road to WrestleMania. That's, uh, you yeah. know, I'm quite proud of that one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, following on from uh, Royal Rumble, I mean, I know last time we spoke, it was a uh, reaction show, you know, the night after the rumble, uh, certainly we were both very, very positive on the, on the matches, you know, the, the undercard, so to speak of the, uh, the main match itself, uh, the rumble. Obviously, we had slightly different opinions on that, and I think it's fair to say that the the reaction from fans across the world has been rather mixed to the to the rumble itself. And we we felt though that it was an important couple of weeks of uh, television ahead for WWE to really set the scene, you know, on on this road to WrestleMania, so to speak. We keep <laughs> they, they keep ramming down our throats. And, and it has been quite disappointed. I mean, to, to start some things off though, I mean, that the next right night on Raw, it was a little sterile, but we did have the, the long awaited debut of, uh, Joe. I think long awaited is certainly uh, the right phrase. Uh, we, as disappointed as we were that he was not in the Royal Rumble, I was quite impressed by his impact and I think the way that he was used On Raw, surprisingly that it was Raw, not SmackDown that he was brought into, but the way he was used certainly made sense, didn't it?
1: Well, it did, yes. It, you know, explained why they felt they needed to wait until Raw to make debut rather than at the Rumble. Um, and, you know, I think that possibly explains why the Raw this week was somewhat lackluster because, um, they obviously had that big angle right at the end of, last week's Raw, where Samoa Joe um, turned up and attacked Seth Rollins and um, unfortunately attacked him uh, too severely because um, Seth Rollins, um, as listeners should be aware, suffered a knee injury. And um, the word is, is that he actually tore um, an MCL. And uh, that, that's certainly not great, but it's not apparently a really, really severe tear that will have him out for many, many months. Um, it's estimated that he'll be out for, um, two to three months, which means that there is that window of opportunity for him to return at WrestleMania. Um, however, that does mean that for the time being, he certainly won't be on TV. And, uh, given that it was Joe's big debut on Raw last week, um, I'm sure that they wanted to really progress that storyline between he and Rollins, um, and make that almost a focal point of Raw. This week, obviously, with Rollins not around, uh, they couldn't really do that. So they had that opening segment where Joe talked about how he's waited 18 years for that moment to debut in the WWE and um, talked about how Triple H was the only one that really believed in him. And, you know, he kind of set things up nicely in that respect. But, you know, if, if Rollins had been there, you know, it would have made it a more... Interesting and memorable show, you know, certainly where the that storyline and that dynamics concerned. Um but yeah, it, it's good to see him finally on the main roster. You know people who've watched TNA and Ring of Honor they're fully familiar with how good Joe is. You know he's a world class talent and um I'm certainly sure he will be a big asset to Raw um in the months to come. Yeah, it was it was a
0: freak injury. I mean it's it's gotta be said Uh, I I know that the the temptation with some people will be like, oh, you know, he's injured him. But I think it was one of them kind of freak accidents. I've I've seen estimations, uh, timescales of six to eight weeks, possibly for for Seth Rollins, which would put him right in the shop window for for Mania. But I I mean, I think the real question is, is whether it's six to eight weeks or two to three months, it's very much touch and go. And I, I think it's a worthwhile question to ask them always. You know, should WWE risk it? You know, if if he's if he's sort of you know past has been fit the week before Mania, you know you can't seriously build up to a match that might not happen. And then would you build it up? You know, with a week to go, is it worth the risk? Is it better not to maybe just keep him back for for afterwards and, and build that? Maybe use that as a build up towards making it. You know, one of the biggest uh,
1: fights on the SummerSlam card. Well, there's certainly that possibility, absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, this is a storyline that WWE have been uh, building up to for a long time. Obviously, this match between Triple H and Seth Rollins for WrestleMania. And um, there might be the feeling that if they have to hold on for another few months, uh, perhaps the interest will be waning. Uh, it's certainly fair to say that Seth Rollins and the interest in him um has not been as strong as it was when he was a heel. And I think that's a lot down to the fact that he's been poorly booked as a babyface. Um, but they perhaps felt that this storyline with Triple H was exactly what they needed to really reignite his career. Um, but I mean, even character aside, um, I thought that his work in the ring, since he uh, returned from injury, um hadn't been at the levels that it was prior to his knee injury back in I think it was November 2015 um so in terms of whether they'll rush him back for Wrestlemania I've got a feeling they will not so much because they want to but because I think he will want to um work Wrestlemania mean he was very very disappointed to miss Wrestlemania last year and to miss it two years on the trot both times due to knee injuries I think would be something that he'd find really difficult to deal with. So if there's any glimmer of opportunity for him to work WrestleMania, I think he'll take it, even if he's at only 78% um, in terms of that knee. And, um, you know, the WWE, though, is is a company that in the past has put people out there long before they were ready to return. I mean, a famous example that you might remember is when Stone Cold Steve Austin broke his neck against Owen Hart back in, I think it was SummerSlam 97. And, um, the, uh, yeah, it was 97. And I think within three months, he was back in the ring was Austin, um, well before he should have returned. And, um, you know, we had, uh, numerous examples of WWE rushing people back to the ring uh, before they were ready. They're a lot more careful these days because they've had so many lawsuits of people suing them for, um, injuries or, um, brain issues with repeated concussions and things like that. So, um, they're certainly more cautious than they used to be. But yeah, they, um, they
0: definitely, sorry, more they, they definitely are more cautious than they used to yeah. be. And that makes me wonder that, that, you know, that really does make me wonder whether or not they'll, they'll think, is it worth taking that lit, that risk that will be really will be touch and go, you know, as, as it could be used really to, to give them, Instead, give him another month off. Instead, fully heal, fully recover, uh, and really formulate a strong build to make Triple H and, and Rollins, you know, the main event at Summerslam. I, I understand. Obviously, Rollins will want to be to be there at Mania, but you know, is is it really worth the risk? I think that that's that's the real thing, isn't
1: it? Well, it is. That's right. Um, you know, the the clear risk is that the knee injury is worse. I mean. Because it's WrestleMania, they won't want to go easy. They'll want to put in a memorable match. And, you know, that will certainly heighten the risk of uh, making that injury even more severe. And, you know, never mind SummerSlam, he could be out even longer, you know, possibly even into 2018. Um, So that's the risk that they run. But Seth Rollins being the kind of person he is, knowing how disappointed he was to miss out on WrestleMania last year, I think he'll be pushing more than anyone for that match to happen if there's that chance of it happening. So that's why I'm, I'm pretty sure um, in some capacity that match will take place. And uh, whether that's the right move, only time will tell, but I, I feel it isn't.
0: Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, quite how they play it. Uh, something else on Raw was you know, Brock Lesnar put the challenge out to uh, to Goldberg for them to have uh, one final match at WrestleMania, and and we've now had Goldberg accept that challenge. So I think we were expecting that, or fully expecting that, really, um, Goldberg and Lesnar at Mania. Now, obviously, since then as well, we've had the announcement that Goldberg will be taking on uh, Kevin Owens for the Universal title at Fastlane. So do do you think that we could be looking at Goldberg-Lesnar for the title at WrestleMania, or do, or do you think there's... There's, there's something else to be played here by, uh, by WWE.
1: Well, we know that Goldberg and Lesnar is definitely happening. That's confirmed for WrestleMania. And the other half of that WWE Universal title match at Fastlane is Kevin Owens. And everything points in the direction of Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho for WrestleMania. So if it isn't Goldberg against Lesnar for the title, almost surely it then means... Kevin Owens will be defending the Universal Championship against uh, Chris Jericho. I just don't think that that's the direction they want to go in um, because I think Jericho is going to be doing stuff with Fozzie this year. So I don't think he'll be around for much longer. And um, it, it won't be a big secret going into WrestleMania either. Whereas, so so for that reason, it'll be pretty obvious he'll probably walk away with the championship if the title's at stake in that match. Whereas if the title's at stake in uh, Goldberg against Brock Lesnar, because of the way that the feud has been booked, people will be unsure about which way it will go. Even though, again, uh, logic would suggest that Brock Lesnar has to win just because you know they've lost their two previous big contests one-on-one. Uh, sorry, he has Lesnar. And um he was made to look like a fool at the Rumble. So he's got to get his comeuppance at some point, And what better... Uh, for him to do that than at WrestleMania. Um, but WWE likes to play the swerve sometimes and, you know, they might just decide, well, actually, Goldberg can retain at WrestleMania to set up, um, another match, um, at a pay-per-view, perhaps in, uh, April or May. So that they might go in that direction too. But, uh, if it's one of the two matches that will have the Universal Championship at stake, I think it will be Goldberg against Brock Lesnar. And, and that's why I was predicting that um, Goldberg would be winning that, uh, Royal Rumble a couple of weeks ago because, um, obviously they did that promo where Brock talked about having one more title running him. And I thought, well, that has to be leading to something. And so clearly that's leading now to this match at Fastlane. Um, and, and that's where I think, you know, preempting perhaps a pod for a week or two's time, but I, I think Goldberg will win that title and defend against Lesnar. Yeah, uh, my
0: my prediction of um, Goldberg and Lesnar somehow having uh, Roman Reigns inserted into that match, uh, I, I think that prediction is still alive. So I'm going to stick with that one. Yeah. I, I yeah. still see that being, I don't know why, I just still see that happening as a triple threat match at Mania, but as a way to probably add more time to the match and potentially you know, rather than it's so being so straightforward that everyone expects Lesnar to get his comeuppance and then, oh, sorry, to get his win and, and take the title, you've got the added element there. The people thinking, oh, they'll go with the ratings because he's the guy who's going to be sticking around week to weeks. So I I think my prediction's still alive.
1: It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Both are. So yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, to see how all of that pans out in the coming weeks. But, yeah, that
0: uh, the the, uh, the fans want not who who to boo the loudest.
1: Well indeed, yes. Um <laughs> no, yeah. If if Roman Reigns isn't the most loudly booed person on that show, then um surely John Cena will run him close, but uh yeah. He's he's, I'm he's not to sure. Poor, not poor sure, Roman, too. I feel so sorry for him. You know, well, he yeah. works so hard and he gets these horrible reactions, but uh <laughs> Will get See, a I'm not so
0: sure that uh, Senior will get a really bad reaction. I, I think it's. Um, I think people have come to respect Senior a lot more now. It, just his body of work over the last probably three years, and the way that he's so, um, I think so giving towards the the up and coming talents, and I think so keen and and looks so happy to be working with these guys and ready to put people over. I, I think he's found a new level of respect from people. So. I'm not so sure that Cena will get a really bad reaction as well because I think people recognize as well that you know that uh, although he's in excellent shape and he's and he's certainly not you know just about to finish up, he he won't have too many years left on his career. And I think people are starting to get to the point where they actually you know what we're like, we're going to enjoy what he's got left. And I mean, speaking of Cena, it takes us nicely onto SmackDown. I I don't know about humor, but there's something that feels. <sighs> Slightly strange about this title, this this title reign of his, you know, it's number sixteen and it's not being celebrated in quite the way. They're not really making a huge fuss, and it really does make me believe that uh, come Elimination Chamber, that that title's changing hands again.
1: Well, yes, you um, know, there are there are rumours out there that um, one of the directions that they might want to go is um, a breakup of the Wyatt family with um, Randy Orton um, challenging the leader of the Wyatts, Bray Wyatt, for the WWE Championship. And um, the only way that can happen is for Bray to win the Elimination Chamber and uh, thereby defeating John Cena for that belt. Um, So that's one of the rumours that is out there, um, which had you said that to me even four weeks ago, I would have laughed. I would have thought, why on earth would that be the WWE World Championship match at WrestleMania? Um, that that just seemed like an undercard match. Um, but, you know, clearly with Randy Orton winning the Rumble, um, he will be contesting for that belt. And, um, you know, given the storyline that's been developing between Bray and Randy Orton in the last few months, Um, you know, a bit like that friendship between Orton, uh, sorry, between um, Jericho and Kevin Owens on the Raw brand. Uh, We could see a breakup very, very soon, uh, leading into um, a bitter enemies um, rivalry uh, that will be concluded at WrestleMania. So that's certainly one possibility. And I agree, I think that, um, you know, that, that, that's a distinct possibility that, um, John Cena will drop the title because if he doesn't, then, you know, we'll be treated to, uh, Cena versus Orton part 2468. And, and we just got that, you know, this past week on SmackDown. And again, it was, you know, typically a very good match, but, uh, you know, <laughs> how many times do we have to see that contest? And, uh, you know, they, they've done so much with each other. I just don't know what else they can do that can really, um, Get people interested in that match. So, um, for that reason, I'd be shocked if we don't have a title change. <laughs> but, you know, again, we'll, we'll come on to that a bit later on when we preview. Elimination yeah.
0: Stronger. I mean, I've, I've got to say, look, any, any version of, um, of Cena and Orton at WrestleMania, whether it's a triple threat four way, whatever, however they want to do it. You know, if that is in the plans, I've just got no interest in seeing it because, like you said, we've seen it so many times and yes, they do work well together, but it's not new, it's not fresh, it's not exciting and that's a big thing for me. WrestleMania is that, you know, your annual showpiece, it should be the most exciting event of the year, you know, the the one that everybody looks forward to, you know, the big match that you really want to see and and it's not <laughs> i don't think anyone really wants to see that and the fact that it's just been on television probably indicates that we won't be seeing it but it's well, that's um, right. it is a possibility unfortunately and i mean i mean speaking of television and smackdown i mean let's let's face it that the the past couple of weeks of smackdown have been less than less than enthralling really than... There's, there's just not really too much happening. It feels as though we're just kind of stalling for time. Um, and a couple of hours of filler until we actually get past Elimination Chamber and Fastlane and start really working towards Mania. It's, it, does it feel like that for you more?
1: It, it does. Yes. Um, you know, given that that only two weeks to build up Elimination Chamber, I did think that, uh, they would make more of an effort to create a lot of interest in the show. Um, but they haven't really taken that opportunity. So, you know, we're going into Elimination Chamber with that cold feel. You know, nobody's really excited and uh, salivating over the show, thinking, oh, this is going to be an awesome event. Um, I, I think, well, I hope more so, that uh, after Elimination Chamber, that's when things will really start to heat up in the lead up to WrestleMania. After Elimination Chamber they'll have a good uh what, six, seven weeks, um so I think yeah, it's about six weeks of SmackDown to uh build up um you know their SmackDown matches for WrestleMania. So, you know, that that's when they really need to be pulling out all the stops. Um you no know, not only just the talent but the uh legions of um writers that they've got, you know, they need to be coming up with their very, very best ideas. And treating us with the best storylines, the best angles, the best promos of the year. And you know, I go back to a long-held criticism I've got of of WrestleMania is that increasingly it's become a nostalgia show. It's become a show for the part-timers to uh, make their uh, once-a-year return or once every two or three two or three uh, appearances in a year. And um, you know, the focus is on them. Whereas, you know, a lot of times in the past, WrestleMania was all about making stars and um, defining careers. And, you know, we, we've seen less of that in the last you know few years. And I like to see them return back to that. And I, I really think that, um, you know, Royal Rumble might have been one slight hint at that kind of direction because they chose not to give us nostalgia. They chose not to bring back People from the past. Um, it was purely focused on. Um, obviously, the three or four part timers that you know, uh, you know, still appear um, several times a year. But most of everyone else were active, full time members of the roster. Um, so I hope that in the same vein, they continue with that theme going into WrestleMania. And for once, it's more about trying to put over um, some of the younger talent and really letting them shine. And uh, make their mark, and uh, you know, we, I think we will. The clues will start to fall into place um, after elimination chamber in Fastlane as to which direction they wish to go in for WrestleMania in that regard.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think in terms of WrestleMania, you know, and putting focus on past talents and having nostalgia, I think really that's what the Hall of Fame is for, and that's why I love that. Uh, yeah, mainly for really for making stars of, for the following year, and you know all the things you've spoken about. But I think more what is when I look at SmackDown, uh, you know you talk about the writers there, they're going to have to you know really come up with something. In all honesty, I'm looking at that show and that that roster, and I'm thinking it, it's going to be difficult because it's such a small roster that we seem to have already seen just about every permutation that you can have you know everybody's fought everybody because it's such a small roster and we you know we've seen everyone in the ring together and he's been versus him and and we've had everybody else on the outside any which way you could imagine we've we seem to have already seen it on TV so it's i think it's going to be very difficult to get get things exciting ahead of, in the build-up to WrestleMania without some fresh blood injected into that show. And I think that's why, really speaking, it, it was such a surprise that Joe didn't come onto to SmackDown because that was the brand that really needed um, not just the one, probably two or three new names to really freshen things up and give us something new and fresh and exciting to, to think about for WrestleMania.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, what SmackDown needs is just a bigger roster full stop. Um, they just don't have enough, um, talent on the roster to keep, uh, the two hour show feeling fresh from week to week. And so over time, we will keep on seeing the same faces in the same matches paired together, uh, over and over. And, uh, you now that that's why I feel there was a bit of a missed opportunity in not moving, um, the cruiserweight division to the Tuesday nights. Especially given that they, uh, launched 205 live, which is taped straight after, um, SmackDown, which airs on the WWE network. Um, so it just seemed to make all the sense in the world for the Cruiserweight division to move onto that brand. And, um, that would lead nicely into, um, the, uh, 205 live show that follows straight after on the network. And that would have, you know, in one fell swoop, you know, bolstered that roster. And um, it has it, it, always felt like a natural home for the Cruiserweight division anyway. And I, I think increasingly it feels like it was a mistake to move that um, roster of Cruiserweights onto Raw. And that's evidenced by the fact that the Cruiserweight matches on Raw have been getting less and less time um, in the last two or three weeks. And, and that's a sign that um, in the minute by minute ratings that the company gets um, from Nielsen, um, the Cruiserweight matches are not you know, drawing particularly well. They're actually losing viewers when these matches are on, which is why they're only keeping them to about three, four, five minutes now. And, um, you know, it, it, it goes back to one of my earlier points from a few months ago that the viewer that watches Raw is a more casual type of viewer that's more interested in characters and larger life characters, um, and personalities, whereas those that traditionally watch Smackdown albeit a lot of the same audience, but there's slightly more of that kind of hardcore audience that will watch, um, you know, week in, week out. And also um, places a bit more emphasis on the in-ring action. And, you know, that that's what the Cruiserweights excel at. You know, perhaps some of them lack in personality, but they make up for it in uh, what they can do um, from bell to bell within the ring. So I hope that, that that's something that they can fix, um, for after WrestleMania to move the cruiserweights to SmackDown. And, um, no, that, that'll leave a gap on Raw, obviously. But, uh, you know that, that show is just doomed anyway, because three hours is just far too long. And, um, you know, they could have a roster of 200 talent, but, um, it, it will still feel like a show that's, um, one hour too long. And uh, you know that, that that's just an inherent problem with that brand. Yeah, it certainly is.
0: So um, let's move on to uh, to Elimination Chamber. Then I mean, we we'll could just quickly run through the card. Um, right at the bottom of the card, I see Luke Harper. versus Randy Orton, the guy who's going to be um, headlining WrestleMania.
1: Well, that's right. Yes. Um, so obviously Luke Harper has split away from the Wyatt. Um, clearly, didn't like um, preferential treatment. He felt Randy Orton was getting from Bray and, uh, you know, that, I, I, I think that that will actually be a pretty good match. Um, Luke Harper's a very underrated talent. He's, he's a very, very good worker. And, um, you know, Randy Orton with the right opponent can have a really good match too. So I just don't see how this can be a bad match um, unless there's perhaps too much focus on storyline and, um, trying to sow the seeds for WrestleMania. If it's Bray, um, to face, uh, Randy, um, at WrestleMania. Um, but, uh, if, if, if he's out of the picture and he's not involved, and if it's just a straight wrestling match, then I think it'd be a really good one. And you, you really can't see Randy Orton losing it, um, you know, just weeks before WrestleMania. So, um, it, it'll be a fine match. It won't be anything particularly special. Um, but, uh, it will just help to, uh, Know, certainly keep Randy strong in the in the lead-up to Mania.
0: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. And certainly on Luke Harper, yes, he is. I think he is a very good worker. He's an underrated speaker as well. Uh, I'll, a character I like, and I think they, they've kind of missed the trick not using a bit more and doing more with him. So perhaps uh, SmackDown will look at that one. Uh, next up is a match that um, <clears throat> I can't wait for. I'm absolutely... Jumping at the bit, really, really, really excited, um, as you could probably tell, Apollo Crews and Kalisto versus Dolph Ziggler Yay <laughs> Why?
1: Well, sound like you can't contain your excitement Andy um, Yeah, th- this is um, yeah th- this is just pure time filler, isn't it um, I mean, Apollo beat Dolph in a minute on Smackdown uh, it was a nothing match the Dolph Ziggler heel turn is just a complete flop. Um, and that, that's really, really bad news for Dolph because, you know, fans really weren't caring too much for him as a face. I mean, there, there were the odd SmackDown shows where he was getting a very good reaction, but I think that was more because of the opponent, uh, notably someone like The Miz, who, because he's such a good heel, um, anyone would cheer whoever he's facing. Um, but yeah, since he turned heel, his career's gone from bad to worse. Uh, and that's a bad sign. Um, Apollo Crews just hasn't caught on with the audience. Fans just don't care about him. They just struggle to connect with him. You know, there's just something missing there. He's he's a good talent, very athletic and everything. Um, but the personality doesn't really shine through on TV. So they need to look at what they can do to adjust his character to help make him connect. Um, and in Kalisto, you know, he, he'll work his, you know, um, impressive high spots into the match I don't think it'll be a bad match I don't think it'll be a great match it'll be a good match uh, yeah. but that's it it'll be a
0: bathroom it. break
1: well yeah yeah I don't think anybody will really care who wins or who loses it it'll no. just be there to, to uh, fill the time pad out the show
0: I've got to say I, I expect that match to be the one that goes on before the main event as uh, as the opportunity for people to uh, to go off and get the refreshments go to the toilet get themselves set for the main event <laughs> Uh, and yeah, um, the heel turn of Dolph Ziggler should have happened months ago when there was still some interest in him. Then it would have had some effect. It, just like the heel, t- the uh, the babyface turn of Seth Rollins, they delayed too long. They missed the opportunity, and when they actually pulled the trigger, it was too late. But you know, uh, and as for Apollo Cruz, I I said from the very beginning he was not ready to move up. He's a great worker. He's you know he's got he's so athletic he's got so much talent that you know that he's likable but he doesn't really know how to really get that across to the audience yet and I think he needed to stay in NXT really work on that develop that and what they could have had then was a star in NXT who was then ready to be moved up but they they went way too, way too early uh, and they've got nothing from it and I and I think it's just hurt Apollo Cruz and, and probably uh, you know. For the long term, you know, permanently scarred his character, which is, which is a real shame. But anyway, uh, next one up, Mickey, Mickey James against uh, Becky Lynch. Uh, I'd expect this to be a pretty good match, actually.
1: Yes, so do I. Um, I thought Mickey did really well um, when she fought um, NXT TakeOver a couple of months ago. And, um, you know, she's still clearly got um, mileage in her. I mean, she's 37 going 38, um, but looks great. Um, for her age and, uh, you know, is, is a good worker. Uh, Becky Lynch, um, is someone I also rate and, uh, you know, they're, they're just having a, a straight up singles match. Um, Mickey's obviously, uh, coming as a heel, um, in the last few weeks and, uh, has been a thorn in Becky's side, but, um, you know, they've got a decent storyline going and nothing special, but it's a nice little thing to keep them ticking over. Um, Mickey's in the company to, um, help the younger talent get over and put them over and help to improve them in the ring as well. Um, so I'd be surprised if Mickey wins this, especially given, um, the champions are heel, um, which the match will come on to. Um, so, you know, it makes sense for Becky to win this and then to perhaps, um, go on to, uh, face the, uh, the winner of, uh, the women's SmackDown, uh, championship contest. Uh, But yeah, I I, I think it'll be a good one.
0: I'm I'm going to disagree. I think Mickey James will win this one. I think they'll have a go over and just uh, extend this feud just that little bit longer so they can continue working elsewhere and keep Mm -hmm. Becky away from the title for a little bit longer. I think before she comes back to a challenge for the title, I think she just needs that little break away from it because I think people uh, saw a lot of it. (laughs) You know, we keep saying the same thing. So... Yeah, I I see Mickey James going over on that one. Um as for the 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 actual women's title match uh, that you mentioned, yeah, Alexa Bliss taking on Naomi. Uh, <clears throat> obviously interesting to see Naomi back in there. She's athletic. She's a decent worker, but I really don't see her winning the title here.
1: No neither do I. Um you know, they've been giving her a push. Uh, the push came out of nowhere really. She got a surprise win um 2 or 3 weeks ago. <laughs> And, um, you know, they've been keeping us strong since then. And, um, I'm, I'm quite a fan of her, actually. I, I like her act and, uh, the dancing and the uh, glow in the dark hair and everything. Um, so, you know, she sticks out from, um, you know, generic kind of, uh, female talent. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think they're trying to do something with Alexa and they're trying to build her up as a strong heel champion. And, um, you know, for that reason, I'd be surprised. To see her lose Um I mean thinking ahead To WrestleMania though Um they need to have This championship Defended on the card In some Way shape or form So Um You know it, it, it might well be that Um They try and Give an angle to this contest Such that The feud is Still kept strong And there's still something To go With it Um Beyond this show So uh I think it might even lead into a fatal four way between Alexa, Naomi, Becky and Mickey, um, you know, at WrestleMania. So that, that's one possibility too. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think Alexa has to retain.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a possibility. it be interesting to see how they do move forward. Um, the SmackDown tag team titles are on the line and, oh, i I, this is a match that I just think is going to be, um, carnage. Uh, for the most part, American Alpha against Heath, Slater and Rhino, who have uh, broken up, but now they're back together, appears. Uh, Brizango, the Usos, the Ascension, uh, and the Vaude villains. Um, I, I don't have high hopes for this.
1: No, no, neither do I. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw this match in a way um, on this past week's SmackDown. It wasn't that great. It was okay. It wasn't a terrible match by any means, but, um, nothing to really get excited about. Again, you know, writers letting down American Alpha. You know, this is a team that was so over in NXT, really, you know, stuck out as a, a great pairing, great chemistry between, uh, Gable and Jordan. And since they've come over to SmackDown, you know, all of that is just completely lost. You know, it's just gone. I don't know how that's happened. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's actually almost, A feat to let that be lost in the way it has been, because um, they they came in hot. Sorry, sorry, they came
0: in hot and now they're lukewarm. And and that's right, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's storylines, it's writing. I think it's also when you look at that roster, you know, realistically, who do they to who do they have to go in there and and fight against? And that's something again. It's not just a singles it's it's not just the women's it's not it's the tag it's the whole the entire roster is just so thin on the ground that it really lacks any kind of uh, like believability almost you know that there's the so few good acts that you don't believe that they can be beaten they've been put against teams that you've been conditioned to to expect them to lose week after week after week so how can you believe that could they can possibly be in jeopardy against a team that gets gets beaten week on week on television
1: well that's right i mean part of the um thing with any strong babyface tag team is is all about the chase um of you know trying to win those tag team titles and having a strong heel um as your or pair of heels as your dance partners and you know we saw that they had that on nxt with the revival and others whereas over here you're right absolutely right they haven't got that i mean slater and rhino are just a makeshift pairing and come across like that um and they could be disposed of and disbanded at any time uh Bree Sango are just a complete comedy act again makeshift pairing of two individuals that um you know creative would otherwise have nothing for um the ascension have been a comedy act ever since they debuted and nobody Take them seriously despite their win on SmackDown this week. And the Vorder villains are not that dissimilar. Again, they never really get any notable victories and, um, just have this, um, kind of restrictive gimmick, um, and character to them, which, uh, doesn't lend itself well to, um, you know, kind of these kind of dominating heel champions. So, um, really the, the point I'm getting at is until the revival turn up on SmackDown, um, unfortunately, American Alpha will never quite hit the heights that they did on NXT.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing, but God, it's so, so true. Um, we also have Nikki Bella versus Natalia. Um, a match that's in theory has been built, has been built, excuse me. It has been built quite well. Um, I just don't feel it. I, I just, I, I lack, the interest in this match i mean it's it's essentially a match that is promoting uh total divas and total bellas and whatever other tv shows outside
1: well that's right absolutely um you know they've tried to separate this from your usual kind of um fictional storyline type of uh feud where you know natalia's been making comments which um know, certainly might seem outwardly to be, uh, quite, um, against, uh, you know, normal scripts and storylines, you know, talking about Nicky's relationship with John Cena and how, um, he, you know, he would dump her and all that, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I think that's in a way made it an interesting storyline. And, um, you know, certainly has a bit more heat to it than perhaps a lot of other, um, matches do on the card um i think it won't be a great match largely because you know i go back to my point that i've made ever since i've started on this podcast nikki Bella's just not that great um no i think she's a nice personality you know she's a very great looking girl um but she's a very average worker and uh you know there's only you know, she's got a certain ceiling in terms of how good she, you can have a match with her. And, uh, and Natalia's a, a good worker in her own right, but, um, you know, I, I just don't see any great match out of this. I think this will be more of a storyline type match where, you know, there'll be more of a focus on what they're saying to each other in all the, um, trash talking in the ring. Um, and on top of that, um, there's a lot of talk at the moment that Nikki Bella might be, um, possibly taking a bit of a break or me moving into a part-time schedule after WrestleMania, because apparently, um, you know, obviously had this very serious neck injury and, um, you know, she, she's struggling at the moment because of the after effects of, uh, the operation and that injury. And, uh, apparently she has, um, occasionally some loss of feeling, I think on her left side. So, um, that, that's certainly not good. And, um, you know, for that no. reason, I, I I think Natalia could, could end up winning the contest.
0: Yeah, no, that's, it's definitely not a good sign. I mean, that's, that's almost reminiscent of Edge, you know, he was talking about having these uh, pins and needles in his fingers and his arms running up to, towards the end of his career. So, I mean, there mm. has been a, a rumor more that, uh, at WrestleMania, it could well be John Cena and Nikki Bella in a mixed tag team match against the Miz and Maurice, uh, as a way of, if Nikki Bella actually ending her career—that's going to be her sign-off match, and and will culminate in uh, John Cena popping the question. There's there's another the rumor for you.
1: <laughs> that's right, yeah. That talk is doing the rounds. Um, so um, you know it could well be that uh, Maurice ends up playing a part in this contest that costs Nikki a victory, and um, you know that will then lead to Nikki and um, Maurice. Going at it on SmackDown, which then brings Miz and John Cena into the equation, and um, that leads nicely into uh, WrestleMania. Um, it'd be a waste of Cena in a way, wouldn't it? You know, given all the talk there was about uh, Cena against The Undertaker, uh, for him to then be almost lost in the shuffle in a meaningless uh, mixed match like that. Um, obviously, they'll try and play off the total divas thing, as you say, and total bellas, but, um, you know, it, you know, John Cena is one of the all time greats in WWE. And I just don't think that, you know, he, he, he deserves better than that for WrestleMania. Um, yeah. A, a mixed tag
0: there. match with a mid carder. It's not, um, mm. it, yeah, it's, it, well, I mean, the other thing being as well, that obviously everybody's hearing this rumor that, uh, <laughs> Cena could pop the question. So, um, it kind of uh, spoils the element of surprise, doesn't it? <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> it does. It does. But uh, you know, if you're going to pop the question anywhere, why not in yeah. front of seventy thousand people? At rest
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he goes on one knee, and the, the commentators sell that. Like, wow, what a surprise! Uh, no, not really. <laughs>
1: no. We all knew. We all yeah. knew. Yeah. <laughs> we all.
0: Yeah. Just uh, that uh, you could just imagine a hundred thousand or seventy thousand people all doing the the Daniel Bryan. No. No, (laughs) no. Oh Oh, dear. I think that, that's (laughs) that again, uh, that in itself could be a WrestleMania moment, but anyway, so uh, last one uh, on the card, main event as, as we get close to the end of the show, it's uh, obviously John Cena defending the title against AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, the Miz, Baron Corbin and Bray Wyatt in the uh, elimination chamber match. um, because they don't bring the elimination chamber match out too often and they don't overdo it in the way that they do with hell in the cell i'm intrigued and kind of looking forward to to the match um even though i'm not sort of excited or in any way you know you know i, I don't have any great anticipation in, in that sense or think it's going to be this tremendous match but i'm kind of intrigued and almost looking forward to it just because of the rarity behind it
1: That's right, yes. Um, You know, it is one of the more unique matches in the WWE, like the Royal Rumble, like Hell in a Cell. And um, it's often a spectacle, isn't it? And the other thing is, I mean, with this being one of the more unique matches, um, the the guys that lay these matches out, the producers are called, the agents as they used to be called, um, Pat Patterson being still the lead one, um, they do try and make an effort to make this match memorable. And, and usually it is, not always, but most more often than not, it, it's a very good match. Um, I, I think it will be a very good match. In fact, it's a great match. And that's largely because it, ha- it has Cena and Styles involved. I mean, in these big shows, the pay-per-views, um, Styles very rarely doesn't have a great match. Albeit, you know, there are five other individuals in the match. But um, now Dean Ambrose is another one that, doesn't perhaps get the credit he deserves. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's a very good worker and certainly with the right opponents can have really, really good matches. You know, John Cena, everyone knows, you know, can deliver on these big events. Um, You know, Baron Corbin is someone who's impressed me. I mean, obviously he's been getting involved to an extent in the main event mix. Um, now we had that match with AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose in a three way on, on Smackdown at the end of December and, um, it was a really good match and I was really impressed with Baron. I thought he hung in there. Um, you know, for somebody with his lack of experience, um, and his size, um, you know, he certainly made a good account for himself. And I think he can go in a match like this and certainly bring something different. Um, you know, the, the Miz again, you know, he's, he's a good worker. He's, he's not an exceptional talent like an AJ or a John Cena, but, uh, you know, certainly, you know, more than capable. And, and Bray again, you know, he's a good worker too. So nobody in that match to me, says um, they're going to drag the match down. Um, I think it'll make a slightly slow start, but I think it'll really kind of build up well, and I think by the end of it, it'll be good. Uh, But because I just don't see Cena against uh, Randy Orton at WrestleMania, I'm I'm convinced there will be a title change. And you know, whilst they could go in the direction of putting the title back on AJ, um, I've got a feeling it's really Bray. Bray versus Randy um, just makes all the sense to me because you know there's been that storyline build up going back several months, and um, you know that 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 just seems like the most obvious route for them to go down. I mean, it could be AJ versus Randy, and that would also be a very very good match for WrestleMania. But um, you know Bray and Randy is the one that seems to have had more of a build to it. So, so I I think Bray White will win his first WWE. World Championship at the Elimination Chamber.
0: Yeah, I think that is a very real possibility. I mean, certainly the the outcome of the match will probably be as interesting as anything else in quite what they do. And I think quite where they're going to go with AJ Styles, uh, you know, if Cena goes separately from Styles and, and Styles doesn't have the title, just quite where they're going to go with him. I think it's going to be interesting to see how how that one plays out storyline wise anyway we will of course discuss all of that um in due course um probably uh, we we'll talk next week now anyway um but before we finish up uh, hall of fame has got its latest inductees more and i know you want to talk about them the rock and roll express um i remember briefly seeing them a few times in the early 90s uh, with uh, jim cornette they probably weren't quite at their peak at that at that point, but they were still really good tag team, and uh, it' nice to see them inducted.
1: Well, that's right. Um, Rock and Roll Express are one of the most influential tag teams in history. In fact, um, you know, they debuted around 1983. Um, really tore it up as an act um, in the southern states of the United States of America, um, along you know the mid Atlantic region as well um and then in later years in NWA and then WCW. And um you know, their feud with Midnight Express is one of the great tag team feuds in history. Right up there with the Hearts versus the Bulldogs and the likes of them. Um, you know, a really, really influential tag team. They inspired Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty to form the Rockers. Um the Rockers were very much patterned after the Rock and Roll Express. And there were countless other tag teams of Fantastics. Rock and roll RPMs, you can go on and on. Um, teams that really, uh, were inspired and almost copycat, um, tag teams of rock and rolls. Um uh, Ricky Morton is one of the all time great, um, baby face, you know, plucky underdog type of wrestlers, um, about five foot six, you know, blonde hair. And, um, it was often he that, you know, sold in these tag team matches um that would eventually lead to the hot tag to robert gibson his tag partner and um you know his timing and his selling and his facial expressions were fantastic and on point and a real uh, great um person for young up and comers in the business to uh, really try and follow the example of um so well deserved um very important tag team in the history of tag team wrestling and wrestling full stop and um now granted they didn't really have much of a run if any within the WWE but you know the WWE Hall of Fame has for a long time now been about more than just the WWE and uh, certainly in that regard Rock and Roll Express uh, fully deserved inductees
0: yeah absolutely uh, I mean obviously uh, anyone listening out there if you have access to the WWE Network and you want to look uh, <laughs> take more of a look at Rock and Roll Express there will be plenty uh, of opportunity on there they they certainly put themselves around and, and like Mo said you know they they were an influential team and a very, very good one and probably underrated really, uh, to, to many modern day fans. Uh, so just one final point no more. I know you wanted to speak about the, uh, the WWE, uh, financial results that have just been published.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, um, I've just announced their, uh, 2016 year end financial results and, um, they've, uh, achieved record revenues. Um, just, um, 729 million and uh, that's you know to put it into context um, I think higher revenue than all but about two football clubs in the world I think it's only perhaps Man United and Real Madrid um, that can say they've um, come close or exceeded that number so that gives you the context of how much money the WWE makes um, despite the fact that their pay-per-view business the traditional pay-per-view business is pretty much um doing all down into nothing because all of their um so called pay per views are now um part of the WWE network. Um their their profit for the year though is only thirty four million, which is actually um lower than it had been for several years prior to the network launching. Um so that kind of shows just how much money they're still investing into the network with um trying to establish it, um trying to spend money on all the vast collection of old tape libraries they've got and also to produce original content as well. Um, but, um, in terms of the WWE's financial health, you know, that, that's certainly a very strong indicator. Um, and, and it goes back to one of the points that we've discussed on this pod on numerous occasions that whilst the WWE makes this kind of money, there's really no incentive for them to mix things up creatively. I mean, we often, um, you know, we've praised them when, you know, they've obviously put on very good shows or good angles or storylines. But, um, you know, there's certain inherent problems, aren't there, with, um, how they book things and how they present things, you know, which we've gone on about at length on the progressing index. Um, but, you know, the, the, the clear message in all of this is, well, when the money is so good, when the revenues are so high, why, you know, the, the view is, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, um, you know, that, that's the challenge that we is. Um, somewhat frustrated fans from time to time have that, you know, when they're making that kind of money, then, uh, you know, it's difficult to argue that they they need to uh, radically change what they do. So whilst the money's that high and revenues are so good, um I, I think we'll be stuck with more three-hour roars and, uh, you know, all the other things that's, you know, slightly frustrating or annoying us.
0: Oh all joy. All oh joy. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm... I mean, it's not to say everything they do is bad. Obviously not. They they do a great job with so much stuff. Um, you know, you look at the CWC, the UK Championship. You know, on the whole, NXT, the the, the role that it serves is great. They put on some fantastic shows there. Uh, SmackDown has improved, even though it is becoming tougher to watch because we're just it's it's been recirculated so often that we spoke about tonight. Uh, and Raw really suffers from that, you know, that extra hour. It's too long. But you know, on the whole, WWE do put out a hell of a lot of good stuff. Uh, and but yes, we we do have our frustrations. But uh, you know, us wrestling fans, much like uh, sports fans, full stop. We do like a bit of a moan. Let's let's face it. Uh, but Moby, before we uh, before we disappear for uh, for another show, uh, is there anything
1: you would like to plug to the listeners? Um, it's just a quick mention for, um, the, the family of Paige, um, WWE's Paige, remember her? Um, so her, her family is, is the famous night wrestling family based out of Norwich. And, um, you know, they made a big, big announcement this week in that, um, the rock, um, the great one, um, uh, is producing a movie about the night family. Um, so this came completely out of the blue for me. Um, when I read it just the other day on social media, uh, but you know, the, the Knight family, Paige's brothers, um, Roy and Zach, um, they're just over the moon about this. Um, obviously they have known about it for a while and have kept it under wraps. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, it, it's going to be a, a very interesting movie. Uh, I don't know exactly how they'll, uh, come at it in terms of storylines and whatnot. But, um, the, this is a family that's, um, you know, played a big part in keeping British wrestling going in the last 20, 25 years. So, uh, you know, and, and their most famous family member page, you know, is, is known worldwide now. So the fact that, um, a movie is being produced about this family that, you know, um, you know, it, it lives in a very, uh, modest way in, in Norwich, um, Know, it's quite amazing really and uh we really looking forward to seeing that so i mean it, it won't be out anytime soon it's it's um steven merchant who um you know, most listeners should be uh, aware of is going to be um, producing and possibly directing the show the, the movie as well um but you know that that's something that when it comes out next year or the year after will certainly be worth the watch so keep an eye out for that
0: mm, yeah it could be interesting i mean i do remember seeing Paige at the family on a documentary on, I think it was on channel four before she actually joined W just before she joined WWE. So, so yeah, it, it could certainly be an interesting one. Anyway, that uh, wraps up uh, this week's uh, edition of the pro wrestling index here on the Anfield index podcast channel. I uh, don't forget, you can keep in touch with us uh, on Twitter at PW underscore index. Uh, as always, I want to thank more Chasha for joining me and we want to thank all of you, the listeners, hitting that download button and staying with us but until next week from me andy wales it's bye bye now Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb.